you pay them in cash. They don't have to bill insurance. They don't have to get approvals from insurance. They don't have all these have to have all these billers on the back end. You know, most of these docs have these EMRs that say take somewhere between six and ten percent off the top. Um, they don't have to pay the transit those transaction fees. And so as a result of that, we're getting, you know, somewhere between 30 and 50% reductions versus what health plans will pay um, just by paying in cash. Damn. Our, our biggest Under fans, the table, right? This is all untaxed under the table, these docs? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. no. Don't, don't get me in trouble, though. And he's like, like, that was close. Hey, I'm not blue collar. I'm sipping. I'm drinking alcohol. These guys cannot catch me up here. I was like, you're getting paid by a regulator or something to ask me these real yeah. tough ones. No, um, we're spooks. Uh, we would be the perfect. Yeah, exactly. We, we would be the perfect spooks too. It's what not is- Jason Lowry. It's us. This is the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast, a show where average Joe firefighters explore the most important monetary technology of the 21st century. We talk Bitcoin. We talk finance, and we talk shit. Today, Dan and myself, Josh, had the pleasure of speaking to Andy Schoonover, CEO of CrowdHealth. Andy and CrowdHealth are taking on some of the biggest companies in the world. This is truly a David versus Goliath confrontation. CrowdHealth is changing the way healthcare is funded, negotiated, and paid for. Andy is a graduate of Stanford University School of Business and in a previous life was the executive chairman at VRI. Andy has been in the healthcare business since 2007. Health insurance has become a crippling expense for many families. It should not cost $3,000 per month to have the ability to take your child to a doctor visit. Ideally, health insurance would protect you from catastrophic events, cancer, surgery, etc. Not be a massive ongoing cost to pay for simple doctor visits and well care. Think about your homeowners and car insurance. They do not purport to pay for new siding or oil changes. It's understood that they cover the low-probability, high-cost outcomes, house fires, and car accidents. So why do we have such a different view when it comes to healthcare? When we treat patients in the field, one of their primary worries is how much this ambulance ride and how much this hospital visit is going to cost me. When you call 911, you should not be concerned about the black box of charges that are coming your way. Your insurance should be affordable and able to cover you in these catastrophic scenarios. If you are thinking of joining CrowdHealth, please use our coupon code BLUE. That's coupon code BLUE. Now, allow us to serenade you with a very melodic CoinKite ad. Some say that a paintbrush doesn't belong in an engineer's toolbox. Some say beauty isn't congruous with utility. We say that Bitcoin is as much a poem as it is a code. The Block Clock, brought to you by CoinKite. An elegant, timeless display for your Bitcoin value. A perfect conversation piece that belongs on your bookshelf. A contemporary take on historical information delivery. Sync any open dime, display market values in real time in fiat units, or even Satoshis. For the purest of Bitcoiners, available as Block Clock Mini and Block Clock Micro, for every space that deserves a reminder of the greatest currency to ever exist. 
All views and language expressed by the hosts and guests in this podcast are solely their personal opinions and do not reflect their employers or organizations they are associated with. Do not treat any of the content in this podcast as investment advice or as an inducement to follow a particular strategy. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Andy, hey, we're, uh, we got a question for you right off the bat. We're sure. wondering if maybe you've got crowd health gold ready to go for when <laughs> if this bitcoin thing just doesn't work out <laughs> yeah you know like it's, I, I love it because bitcoiners are the only ones that are like when bitcoin goes down everybody's kind of like okay like they're not freaking out they're like okay let's let's average down right let's, yeah. let's average down on this like i'm gonna make a trade tomorrow morning probably as soon as i get into as like as soon as i get into work so it's like i'm not super worried about it um and and neither neither are our members. Our members are like, man, can I get more in at at whatever we're at fifteen six or whatever I, is last I saw a couple hours ago. Um, yeah. So it's not that not that big of a deal. I'm not worried about it. No, we're not worried at all. We're just going to turn that average sixty k buy price into an average thirty k buy price. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're either either idiots or geniuses. But yeah, yeah. It, when for us. We're just texting each like today we were texting each other like we're like, when should we deploy the capital? It's not a matter yeah. of if it's a matter of when. And you just so desperately want to time that bottom, which, by the way, you'll never do. Yeah. No. Timing and bottoms no. is physically impossible. You never get that final wick, man. It never. I'm never lucky enough to get it. Well, whether you think it's going to go to 100 or 250 or 500 or a million, right? Like the, if you get it at 15 or 16 or 17 or 12, it's not going to be Absolutely. that big of a deal. Different. Yeah, it's a, it's an absolute rounding error at these numbers. Yeah, it's it's not sure. that big of a deal. Um, so I'm 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 kind of fired up that it's down, and I think it's gonna be down more. I mean, it's like you got FTX and you Luna and all these kinds of things, and ETH is gonna go next. I think like at some point, like and so there's going to be an overhang. I think on bit on on crypto right in general, mm -hmm. and I know that Bitcoin is not crypto, but the 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 general you know, consensus is crypt Bitcoin gets stick stuck into crypto. And as all these things get hammered, crypto or Bitcoin is just gonna kind of fall, 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 fall until it gets wiped clean and people finally realize that like Bitcoin is the only true pure alternative, right? Yeah. Um and all these, you know, as I said, I have a four and a six year old, so I won't say it. The other coins will will disappear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is a bummer. Josh, Andy's censored tonight. His kids are within earshot. Like, so like seven, sorry, seven, we'll probably feet, like, seven audience. Feet. Just imagine that he's dropping F-bombs like every yeah, eight exactly. word. Just just use your use your imagination. Before we um, started, I told these guys I, I have a Jack and Coke in my little my little thing here. So, um, you know, I was like, it's a blue collar Bitcoin podcast. Like they'd be out. Of, they got to be OK with a Jack and Coke. Like, let's let's get into the let's get into gear here. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we'd be remiss if we don't at least give it a five-minute, you know, diatribe into what's going on with Sam Bankman-Fried, the fraud here. Like the amount of irony that exists in the fact that he bailed out Celsius, or oh, what was was it Celsius they bailed out, or what was the other shitcoin company? Anyway, they bailed out an assortment yeah. of them, and then he goes on to you know mainstream media saying that he's the J.P. Morgan of crypto, and this clown blows himself up six months later. <laughs> it's just such. Beautiful irony to watch it all unfold. It's worth watching Bitcoin get hammered just to watch this stuff hit yeah. the fan. It really is. It's a testament to the fact that if you build a house on quicksand, it's it can stand for a while. It can look pretty and structurally sound. 
But man, when that storm rolls in, it it falls real quickly. And mm-hmm. you made the comment a second ago, Andy, but there are, okay, so if we label the crypto space, the broader quote unquote crypto space as a, you know, virtual clown show, well, many of those clowns bleed into Bitcoin. I know if you're a hardcore Bitcoiner, yeah. you're interacting with the well-researched, you know, folks with intellectual integrity and hundreds and thousands of hours under their belt. But we have to come to grips with the fact that in these seasons of euphoria, in these bull markets, a lot of these clowns put their red noses on and, and waltz into the other tent, which is Bitcoin. And then when things start burning, they're in the house with with all of us. So that it's yeah. part of when they when you just have to get accustomed to that. It's happened before. It's not the last time it's going to happen. And there's a lot of forced selling and liquidation events and panic. And if the long term thesis is intact and the reasons you bought this in the first place are intact, which we believe they are, what a time to be accumulating. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's I think it's somewhat analogous, and I hope people will give me a little bit of grace on this because it's not a perfect, but it's somewhat analogous to, you know, 1999, 2000, 2001. Mm. I'm, I'm 43. I kind of lived through that. Um, and, you know, you had all these dot coms who were just crap. You know, it's pets.com and all this, you know, these crappy dot coms. But there were a bunch of great dot coms, too, that came out of that 99, 2000, right. 2001 period. But unfortunately, all the crap dot coms brought everything down. Right. But once it hits that bottom, the, the next 20 years between 2000 and let's just say two. Right. Post September 11th to 2021 was probably the greatest 20 years of prosperity in the history of our country. Right. Um, and, you know, the Fed helped that and all that stuff. We can get into that. If we want to. But it's like you it really it, it, if if you get in now we were just talking about before we started like it doesn't matter if it's 15 or it's 12 or it's 17 or it's 20 like if you think it's right. going to 250 or 500 or a million it's it really doesn't matter like take yeah. the, take advantage of of averaging down and that's what i'm doing like i said i'm you know i'm i'm buying tomorrow morning when i get to work and um i'm hoping it's lower than 15 yeah it's yeah. it's pennies in front of a steamroller that hold you know it's it's just don't try to be cute. Just try to accumulate yeah. at a reasonable level. Use Swan or use Strike or something to accumulate on a daily basis, and just keep rolling, man. It's going to be okay. I don't. It's not going to zero. No, I, yet. no. I think it's also time to continue to reiterate where we direct people to buy Bitcoin is really important because mm. a lot of newcomers, there's a journey ahead. Right. When you've gotten someone to the point where they buy their first set of sats, mm-hmm. they're a long way from really understanding what they just purchased and from cold storing it. Okay. Whether you like it or not, just because you've done it for four years doesn't mean they're going to do it overnight. And so when you, I guess the first observation is that it doesn't matter how big something is, it can fail if it's not well constructed. Just because they had a Super Bowl commercial and Tom Brady right. shilling it, well, I think it doesn't mean it's holding together. You, yeah, you know, like you said, Tom Brady. Like I was just on FTX's website before they shut it down a couple hours ago, and the thing they had on the front page was Tom Brady, um, a basketball player. I can't remember like the ML, the MLB, and some other sports related clown. Like these are the shills that they've paid to just purport. They have no clue what yeah. they're even advocating for. These guys are professional clowns. They're there to entertain you. They're not here to give you financial advice. We're <laughs> going to see how many times we can when use people the word just, clown in this episode. Too. We'll use it a lot. <laughs> it just kills me when people give people like guys like Bono, you know, like you're going to take political advice or listen to what these people have to say. They are entertainers. Like 
And we're a couple of dumb firemen. Like, don't listen to us either. Yeah. Andy, before we before we get and into I apologize. You, I was I was digging for my treasure here so I could actually show you that I'm on like I'm on cold storage. I'm like, where's my treasure? It's in here somewhere. I, I know it's in here. Oh, please God. You have to show us here. or we won't believe you. I yeah, want exactly. to make here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Ready? Bam. Ooh, the white Bam. It's a rarity. You don't see those um, much. Wait, before we hand it to you, I just wanted to close out by saying if your exchange, if the area you're purchasing Bitcoin is not encouraging you to cold store and self-custody, that is not the place to be buying Bitcoin. We'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, Andy, who the hell are you? Um, <laughs> give our audience an introduction to yourself and, and I suppose, crowd health in one file swoop here. Yeah, I'll, I'll try not to be be long winded. I, I um, I'm I'm fairly new to, to Bitcoin. Um, although I first looked into it, in, I think it's I want to say it's, it was 2014. It was under a thousand. Um, I think it was like 200. And I told my buddy, and I was like, "Man, I'm gonna put 10 grand into this just because I think it sounds cool. And if it's a flyer, like if it works, great. If it's not." It won't. And he's like, dude, that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> this is so stupid. And I don't know what that 10 grand would be worth today, but it'd be a hell of a lot of money. Um, and, and so I didn't do it. And it went, but yeah, I didn't do it partially because it went from 200 to a thousand. I remember this one from 200 to a thousand, like that. And I was like, I missed it. You know, I missed it. Um, and so I'm, I'm kicking myself. But then a couple of years ago, I actually, I'm a, a Buddy with uh, Jimmy Song, who I'm sure you guys know. He, he lives familiar, here in Austin, yeah. Austin with me, and so um, I, I know him through kind of church. And I went to to lunch with him, and it's kind of telling him about Crowd Health and you know how how insurance is screwed up and all this kind of stuff. And you know the fact that insurance, when you when you uh, pay your premiums, right, you pay your premium to your insurance company, and they hold it in this big bucket of fiat, right? That's you know a sailor says is melting by the day. And mm -hmm. so Jimmy is like, man, why don't you let people like hold it in Bitcoin? And I'm like, huh, that's kind of interesting. Um, and so we kind of build up, built our, our, our product on, on Bitcoin because of, of Jimmy. Um, but, you know, crowd health ultimately initially came because I was in, I, I ran a healthcare company before I sold it. And as such, I didn't have healthcare because most of us get healthcare through our employers. And so I, had a Cobra plan that was like $1,800 a month. I'm like, this sucks. And so I went over to healthcare.gov and got um, a plan that I thought was good. I mean, I didn't know. I was kind of ignorant at the time. Um, and it was 1200 bucks for me, my wife, and my two girls. And so I joke, it, it worked until I had to use it. Um, <laughs> yeah, my little one. As they do. Yeah, my, my little one was having recurring ear infections. And so we went to the ear, nose, and throat doc. who's like, yeah, she's got, uh, she's got a hole in her eardrum. And so you got to get tubes in her ears. So you go to the local hospital, get tubes in her ears, get the bill. It was $8,000. And I was like, okay, well, this is what helped. It was a 15 minute procedure. And it was $8,000. And um, we'd all love that hourly rate, right? It's um, uh, quite expensive. It's, it's, yeah. It was totally nuts. And so we we're like, okay, well, this is what health insurance is for. And so um, we got a note in the mail a few weeks later and it's from our health insurance plan saying um, it was medically unnecessary. So we're not going to pay for it. And so I had to strike a uh, stroke an $8,000 check to the local hospital and I was pissed. And so, um, I got off health insurance. I was like, screw this. Like I'm going to be uninsured. So me and my wife and my two girls have been uninsured for, I think two and a half years, something like that. 
Um, and we, as, as such, we kind of built tools that allowed us to operate outside of the healthcare system. And um, that culminated in, uh, you know, we got to a place where like, man, these all actually work. Like we're actually saving a ton of money. Like maybe we should start a company. <laughs> um, and so you know, the last year, we almost two years ago, I guess, you're, you're in eight months. Um, we started a company called Crowd Health that allows people to operate outside of, of health insurance plans um, and to utilize Bitcoin to do that. So that's kind of the 30,000 foot view. I'm happy to get into mechanics of how it all works, but um, that's kind of the origin story of, of Crowd Health. Yeah. I think it'd be helpful before we get deeper into what Crowd Health is, if we kind of identify and describe what the problems with the the current healthcare system are. And I think to make an obvious statement here, it's a problem of incentives. Um, mm-hmm. I've I heard you on a couple other shows kind of outline why insurance companies have the incentive structure with you know to co-opt you with the hospital itself. So basically, incentives run the world. If people you know game mm-hmm. theory uh, predicts people's behavior based on their incentive structure, it's why socialism doesn't work. It's why capitalism does work because if you can align people's incentives, you can get them to work together greedily you know, in their own Mm self-interest and they'll benefit each other. So let's start with hospitals and insurance companies. How are they aligned against patients? It's, it's so obvious why our healthcare system is screwed up, (laughs) you know, and people think it's super complex. Like, I don't understand it. It's too hard. It comes down to something very simple and you don't have to be an economist to understand this. You have the buyer of healthcare, which is your health plan, right? We send our money to our health plan they are our agent to go and negotiate with a hospital or a doctor or whoever to get us really good prices that are better than what we can get on our on our own right they're our agent so um they actually want the price to go up even though they're our agent they want the price to go up and so why is that um well obamacare you know about 10 years ago put in this little thing that says you can only make 15 percent of premiums as profit um, and so that from the outside and they're like, oh, that makes tons of sense because we don't want companies to make too much money and, you know, you know, egregiously profit off us. Well, the problem is that is like if I have a thousand dollar premium, they can only make one hundred and fifty dollars. So how do they make more than that? They raise our premium. Right. So if they raise it to 10 percent to eleven hundred, now they can make one hundred and sixty five dollars. So they actually have an incentive. This is our agent. We have a principal agent yeah. problem here. Right. This is our agent who actually wants our premiums to go up so that they can make more money. They're for-profit entities, most of them. And even if they're non-profit, they still act like for-profit. Um, so that's the problem. So we have the buyer of healthcare who wants the, the, the price to go up. And we have the seller of healthcare, which is hospital systems. Clearly, they want the price to go up, right? So we have the buyer and the seller of healthcare that both want the, pro- the price to go up, um, which it, it, the price is going to go up. Um, and so that's, that's, you know, simplistically kind of what, what is happening, but there's all these underlying governmental interventions that are incentivizing these things to happen. So I don't necessarily think that people who work for insurance companies are bad. They're just incentivized to do what they're doing. Right. Like, right. and we all probably would, would do it, but it, yeah. in, in essence, it's, it's like know, companies, really, sorry, it, it's kind of like companies taking these, uh, PPP loans in 2020, maybe you didn't want to do it, but if you didn't, you weren't going to be competitive with your competitor that exactly. did take the money. So you're, yeah, exactly. you're kind of in a, a screwed position where you just have to do the maybe less than moral thing because otherwise you're not competitive here. 
Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. So they're just they're just doing what the the market would would do as just a, you know, it's 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 not a free market in healthcare, but they're they're just doing what they have to do to make as much money as possible. And it's like okay, like I, I understand that. Um, and then the other problem that we have, and this one is really screwed up, is the health plans often own the doctors, right? So the largest employer of doctors in the United States is United Healthcare, right? So you're supposed to be negotiating with these doctors to get me a really good price, but in fact, you're negotiating with yourself. Um, mm. And so what do you want then? Like, of course you want the price to, there's a double incentive for the price to go up. Um, so we just have a really screwed up system within healthcare that, um, that is, that I don't think can be, can be changed with just incremental, you know, legislative or whatever, you know, improvements. Like, I, I think we have to completely change the way that we, we buy healthcare and that's what we're trying to do. I think one of my observations about the crowd health offering and the reason I think it's such an interesting and good match for Bitcoiners is it's not just that Bitcoin, the asset works, it's the very way in which a lot of Bitcoiners think through the world, right? So Mm -hmm. most people, certainly most Americans have a recognition that their intuition is that the healthcare system is just completely fucked. You know, there's like, there's a few things we know to be true, like water flows downhill, Italians eat pasta, horses (laughs) have... Horses have huge cocks and the healthcare system is fucked. I'm glad you, you went with what horses I mean? on that one. So, that so, nice so it's play. like, I thought you were going to say firefighters. <laughs> yeah, I should have. <laughs> but it's like the average person, right? The average person just thinks this is a dysfunctional system, an opaque, dysfunctional, extremely expensive system that's not working, right? But a lot of people just stop there. Bitcoiners see a similar issue, say, with the monetary system, opacity. It's expensive, you could say. It's complex. And they have, through an educational journey, distilled that down to, okay, what are the first principle problems? Why are the incentives awry? And then how does Bitcoin step in to fix it? Yeah, And then also add on top of that, that they have a libertarian mindset to begin with. So this is much more uh, palatable to them right off the bat. They're prone to ask the same question of healthcare. This is a dysfunctional system, but why? The next question is why? Why are the incentives misaligned? And it's it's helpful for people to understand more. I, I guess I want to parlay this this into. So now, to how how what does Crowd Health offer, and how does it realign incentives? And I guess along that process, if you don't mind, you said ask the hard questions. We want to know how Crowd Health makes their money. Fill that in yeah, along sure. the way, because I think that's part of unpacking this and and gaining people's interest. Yeah, sure. So uh, real, I, I love that question. One quick thing to make sure that people understand how insurance companies make their money, right? They have premiums and then they have claims. The difference is how much they make. So if you think about that, right, they actually have an incentive to raise premiums and mm-hmm. to lower claims. So, yep. you know, anybody who's looking for a health plan right now on healthcare.gov or one of your state marketplaces or whatever, whatever, um, healthcare.gov actually the, the the plans on healthcare.gov actually decline about one out of every five claims. Like so you have a one in five chance that your claim is gonna get denied. Like that's the big lie in healthcare is your health insurance company is a sure thing. It's mm-hmm. not. Like I, I I just told you the story of my daughter and I'm I'm down eight grand. 
you know, and we have um, like 250,000 families every year who go bankrupt because one, they can't hit the, you know, they can't pay the deductible or two, their claim gets denied and they're on the hook for it. Right. And so like the whole point of insurance is if, you know, something bad happens, you're not put into financial distress. And so that's just not happening with, with health plans. We can tell you um, just from our experience, we, uh, you know, we're on the ambulance almost every third day. And the biggest problem people have when we show up is a, how much is this going to cost me? How much is the ambulance going to cost? Which Dan and I really aren't even privy to those numbers. We don't even really know. I know exactly what they are. And it's ridiculous. We basically have to lie because we have the liability of needing to take them to the ER, right? We've well, called 911. They have a medical yeah, there's issue. that, that they have to, we have to give them the, uh, we have to offer that transportation. We have to, we're obligated in their best interest to take them. And then we have no idea what they're going to get charged. Neither do they. And they're apprehensive about going, even if they're having chest pain and they could potentially be having a heart attack, they don't want to go to the hospital. And then we yeah. have to play mother may I and beg them to go. And then sometimes... You know, they just don't want to go. And yeah, you know, bad, I mean, just, bad so, things happen. just so people know, this is what ambulance it's, it's like a minimum of a grand just to show up. Right. And then it's somewhere between a hundred and 200 bucks a mile. Right. That's how much insurance cost. I mean, how much ambulance costs. So, you know, you're going 10, 10 miles. You can do that math. It's like three grand or 3,500 bucks for just a, a 10 mile trip in an, in an ambulance. Like, most people don't have 3500 bucks sitting in their bank account. And, and if you have, so I went on healthcare.gov just because I was curious, like how much it was going to cost my family on healthcare.gov. And the cheapest uh, one that we had was, it was like 1100 bucks a month. And I, I think it was $16,000 deductible. Like that was the wow. cheapest, Damn. which means I'm in almost $30,000 before the, the health plan is, is out a dollar, which I don't know why it makes any, why people would do that. Like I would prefer to go uninsured and take the one in 300 tra- chance that something really big happens. Right. Then pay $30,000 and more than likely it's something like 80 or 90% of healthy people in their thirties or forties will not hit their deductible. So well, yeah, this is eight, uh, back to what you're talking about. This is what it, insurance is for catastrophe, right? When you buy home yeah. insurance, you're not expecting the home insurance policy to replace your siding or roof. You're expecting them to fix your house if it burns to the ground or if a tornado right. hits it or something like that. Your car insurance is the same thing. You're expecting car accident gets paid for, oil change, any other maintenance is obviously not covered. And this seems like we have this disconnect with health insurance being, you know, well checks. Need You need insurance to cover that. It just isn't uh, congruous, you know. It doesn't make much sense. Yeah. I, I originally, when I went on insurance, I was like, listen, if something happens with me or my kids, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just negotiate with the hospital. I'm going to be like, listen, hospital, like you have a decision to make, right? Like, let's just say I have a get cancer. I have a million million dollar claim. The the hospital can either say, Hey, I'm going to put you into bankruptcy or I'm actually going to negotiate with you. Right. And so, you know, and, and 99 times out of a hundred, they'll negotiate right off, right off the top. And the one out of a hundred times they won't negotiate crowd health actually engages attorneys to negotiate on their behalf um, so that they don't, you know, once an attorney calls a hospital, a hospital's like uncle, they say uncle, right? They're like, okay, fine. Like I'll just negotiate. I don't want to deal with this. Um, Squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah, no, exactly. Right. But that's consumerism at its best. Like that's what we, you know, we should be doing is negotiating these. And I think that, you know, organizations like crowd health and, 
you know, I'm, I hope others show up like crowd health too, so that we can all kind of like tamper down these ex excessive costs that these health or these, you know, hospitals are, are charging people. So most of these like catastrophic cases are coming directly from the hospital systems who are gouging patients. Like there's just no doubt about it. They are gouging. Um, and so that's, that, that's the way that I, I originally took it. I was like, Hey, let's just see if other people will, will can, you know, look at this similarly. And yeah. you know, we've now have thousands of people signed up for crowd health who are all like, yeah, screw this. Like I'm not interested in paying an egregious amount of money to health insurance, never to see that money again. That wasn't even the question you asked. I just totally blew over the original. <laughs> no, question, it's all right. I think. So I apologize, but I'm like, don't worry. I came up like, with another one while you were going anyway. It's like, there's kind of the other side of this problem too, that we see. So the, the two most, well, some of the most common occurrences we have are the people that don't want to go because it's too expensive. And then we have the frequent flyer who calls us every day, twice a day, yeah. goes to the hospital as a hypochondriac, has no problem, but we have to take them because we're obligated to, because they said it's an emergency. So it's officially an emergency. So we take them to the hospital. The hospital sees this person twice a day, says, you know, goes through the motions, does everything they have to do. They're never going to get paid by this person. So right. the people that actually do pay are going to have to pay for this jag offs, yeah. you know, three trips to the hospital a day. So I know it's a tough nut to crack because the hospital can get hosed on one direction and then take advantage in another. And, um, it's, it's just a, it's a shit show. I it think is. it's interesting for people to put themselves in our shoes too, because we are the healthcare provider. So I guess a little, we're firefighter paramedics. So 70% of a dual role department like us is EMS. Josh and I basically spend half our time driving a fire truck and half of our time on an ambulance in the role that we're each in. The way our licenses work and our protocols work is if somebody calls 911, even if it's for complete horseshit, we have to, on paper, strongly recommend that they seek higher level care. Like it's not, it's not like an option. You can't show up to someone's living room per our protocol and the state we're in and say like, you don't need to go to the hospital. Like we, we're literally not allowed to say that. Now we can kind of like hint at it, but before we leave, we're getting a signature from that person saying you refuse to go to the hospital and we recommend you go literally for any complaint. Right? So you, it's like, this is sort of the, the, the issue with an unbelievably litigious society where mm -hmm. literally healthcare providers are just as preoccupied with covering their ass legally as they are providing care. Mm -hmm. Like our EMS coordinator, half of her job is like ensuring that we're legally squared away. Like that's how our reports are written and our calls are run. That may not be in people's mind when they see ambulances and fire trucks driving around, but that's just the nature. And that whole that whole dynamic I just highlighted is another input of dysfunction in the system. Yeah, and it just adds cost. You know, we have to have a coordinator that adds a job and adds cost to just look over our reports. She literally looks over reports. That's what she does. So, and then, yeah. and then, Andy, think about the doctor. So we're licensed paramedics. As as society becomes increasingly litigious, they're the same way. Somebody walks in. There's a one in 7,000 chance they have a brain bleed. Guess who's getting a scan? Why not just get them all the shit? Because then I'm not, there's yeah. no liability on me. There, mm -hmm. There's just so many ways in which, um, yeah, it's, it just it's, adds waste. it's hard on it's both waste. sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, 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 I, I hear you. It really is. It really is. It, you know, a lot of these docs are put in a really tough situation. So um and that's the thing I, was, I say over and over again it's, it's not the docs like it's not the docs it's not the nurses like, they're doing their best like 
you know, it's, it's really, you know, the, the other systems around them yeah. that are dictating what they have to do. And, you know, I, I think that's one of the problems that we're seeing post pandemic here is, you know, these docks are um, being burned out because they're, you know, got a little parrot on their shoulder telling them what they can and cannot do. And it's like, you know, what if you guys had parrots on your shoulder telling you how to run a podcast? It's like, dude, just let me do my job. Like I'm good at this. Right. Like, yeah. Stop telling me, you know, what, what to do. Um, and it's just gotta be an emotionally draining, you know, thing to go through. Yeah. Okay. So what is crowd health? Cause there's somebody listening. Yeah, sure. It's like, all right, I understand <laughs> this is dysfunctional. How does this step in to fix it? We have people salivating over the answer. How do you, how do you folks work? How do you realign this awry incentive shit show? Yeah. So it's, um, so 175 bucks a month. Um, you take that 175, you put it into account with, crowd health we open an account for you when you when you start with us so 175 goes in uh we take 40 bucks of that so that's a, it's just a subscription fee so it's all 100 percent subscription fee it's above the line like we have an incentive for the community to to grow um and that's what the incentive should be right like the more people you have in the community the more likely your bills are to get paid so there's there's no denial of claims or anything we don't even have claims so we don't even call them claims and so there is no perverse incentives for us um, within our our structure. Um, but anyway, you put 175 in, we take one, we take 40 out. You have 135 in there. Um, if you're a member of the Bitcoin community, 75% of that gets uh, converted to Bitcoin. The remain remaining is in fiat. Um, those account balances accumulate over time. So every single month, the same thing happens. If somebody in the community gets hurt or gets an illness or whatever, let's just say Dan breaks his, breaks his arm, you know, or how about this? He, he breaks his leg going down that fun little firefighter thing, you know, on the way down, he breaks his leg. On I thought the you were going to say skiing and I was going to be like, he just know. did I that just, last I, year. I was like, Give me a firefighter, you know, whatever <laughs> pull the fire, going down the firefighter pull. He breaks his leg. It's $5,000. He's got to pay the first 500 bucks of that. And then the 4,500, we'll go to the rest of the community and we'll say 45 people, let's just say, we'll, we'll ask them for a hundred bucks. Will you give a hundred bucks to Dan? Cause he hurt himself going down the firefighter pole, right? And they can say yes or no. And if they say yes, then a hundred dollars goes from that account that they set up with us to Dan's account. And then ultimately we'll have enough money in Dan's account so that Dan can pay cash for his uh, his broken, you know, leg. And so that's a really important component of this because, uh, these doctors, they love cash, right? So they, you know, if you pay them in cash, they don't have to bill insurance. They don't have to get approvals from insurance. They don't have all these, have to have all these billers on the back end. You know, most of these docs have these EMRs that say, take somewhere between six and 10% off the top. Um, they don't have to pay the transit, those transaction fees. And so as a result of that, we're getting, you know, somewhere between 30 and 50% reductions versus what health plans will pay um, just by paying in cash. Damn. Our, our biggest Under fans, the table, right? This is all untaxed under the table, these docs? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Don't get me in trouble, though. Yeah, Andy's, like, Andy's like, that was close. Hey, I'm on blue collar. I'm sipping. I'm drinking alcohol. <laughs> these guys cannot catch me up here. I was like, you're getting paid by a regulator or something to ask me these real yeah. tough ones. No, um. We're spooks. Uh, we would be the yeah, perfect. Exactly. We, we would spooks. be the perfect spooks too. It's would not it, Jason Lowry. It's us. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So so we're getting way better pricing than health plans, right? This like little company, Crowd Health, with a few thousand people, are getting better pricing by a long way than United Healthcare. 
Um, you know, what we 30 say is to you 50 percent, you said 30 to 50 yeah, and, and, and an ER ER bills greater than 1000. Uh, we just tweeted this the other day. It was 70. I think it was 72 percent reduction wow. versus ER the, bills greater than a thousand dollars. The hilarious thing, though, is that from what you're describing, it sounds like United Healthcare is just paying themselves one hand into the other. So it really oh, like, many, they're not they're not paying anywhere near the actual yeah. price because they're just paying Rob and Peter to pay Paul and handing it back behind in, their back. You in know? many cases, they that's exactly what they're doing. You know, the hospitalists, they United Healthcare. I I think this is the case. United Healthcare owns the most hospitalists. Which hospitalists are? What the hell is a hospitalist? They're, docs, they're doctors did, in the hospital, right? Like oh. that they take care of you and make rounds, right? Basically, okay. they they own those doctors, right? So they they're paying those doctors and they own those doctors. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. Um, and so anyway, so that's why we're getting way better pricing than United and Aetna and, and all these companies is because we are using market forces to pay docs and. They see the value. It's value for value here, right? They yep. they see the value in this. They want to get paid in cash. And we have doctors, literally dozens of doctors a month reach out to us and say, please, will you send us people because we want to get paid in cash? So, Dang. you know, it, it works. It works great. And that's so there's a couple components here that that make us way less expensive than anybody else. That's one. Like we're getting way better pricing. Two is this is a little bit of a different way to pay for your healthcare, right? And so, you know, different means that people who are risk averse are not going to join. And people who are less risk averse, like dudes in their 30s, are all about it, right? And so we got a lot of dudes in our 30s. Um, you know, our average age is 35 or 36, somewhere in there. Um, it's 60% male, 40% female, 60% single, 40% married. And these are just like healthy 30 year olds, right? Most of the, the, um, things that we have to crowdfund are like injuries, you know, just like active injuries. It's like people playing basketball and tear their ACL. I have a, I have a outside of left field question for you here. What about, um, cosmetic surgery? Would breast implants or something be covered by crowd health? No, no breast implants. (laughs) I was, I was going to like the hair, the hair implants or something. Nothing in that was no good. Um, so the yeah, doctor like Korea that, that does like, the dick enlargement, none of that. <laughs> you don't get, you guys don't have to worry about it. You're firefighters. We already That's talked true. about this. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like things like that, like I, I'm not going to get a butt implant or something like that. Like that's not something I'm, I'm going to try to crowdfund. And we, we have a list of these things that are very, very clear. And it's things that like clearly we're not going to do. Like we don't get into anything that is super controversial, like, sex reassignments, abortion, like all these kind of things. Like, uh, uh-uh, yeah. we're not, we're not messing with this stuff. Right. And so we don't do any of that. Okay. A couple of logistic follow-up questions about yeah. the plans. I'm assuming it's a buck 75 per person. So if you're, if you have four family members, 175 per person, right? Yeah. 695, right? 695 for a family of four or more. Okay, cool. Uh, the 500 is that, is that, universal like anything is 500 or does it depend on the event that you're asking for crowdfunding and the amount changes the only thing that's not 500 is your annual wellness checkup right so one one per person per year it can be crowdfunded and that's up to 300 bucks so you go to primary care you do pediatrician you do obgyn and actually we're at adding like dental and vision to that any one of those five We'll give you any one of those five, one per person per year um, that we will do. And then anything else, 
like an, any injury, illness, or pregnancy, you pay the first 500, we'll crowdfund the rest for you. So you walk into, so one of the things that like I live in Texas, and so I kind of make the joke, like there's two things that I hate to see in the mail. One is property taxes, because our property taxes in Texas suck. And you have no idea what they are. Like they just people like, you know, you know, it's like whatever the wind blows, like is how they decide. And you know, the other thing too is like a healthcare bill, like, you know, you can get a bill and you're like, I don't know if it's a hundred, a thousand or 10,000. Like I have no idea what the over under is on this. And so for us, it's like, we just want, it's 500 bucks. You go into the ER, 500 bucks. You get cancer, 500 bucks. You get pregnant, 500 bucks. Like it's just super easy to understand. And everybody should have 500 bucks in their bank account. So we don't put anybody, you know, into bankruptcy because of the huge healthcare bill. So we kind of make a joke. It's right. It's like healthcare.gov plans, 250,000 bankruptcies, crowd health, zero. Like and that's yeah. what we want, right? We want zero bankruptcies as a result of health events. If you're on crowd health, like that's the, that's the ultimate goal. It's my understanding. You guys all, so you guys make money on that subscription plan. Is it true that you also take a percentage of what you save during the negotiations? Say the doctor wanted a hundred grand. Yeah, you guys not, a, not as 50? of as of one one, we're not doing that anymore. Oh, you're not. And, okay. No, and 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 the reason why is it's all because of transparency. It's we we could not get to a place where we felt comfortable that the baseline that we were using was accurate, right? Mm. Like there was just too many variables on the back end. Like sometimes the the health or the hospital would would give us like the rack rate, right? Like the highest rate that they could ever charge. And so we would get that thing down like 92% and we would get a big monster check. And we're like, that just ain't right. Cause they, this person would never pay that. Like, you know, like yeah. we're, we're taking actually credit for more credit. And so instead of $30 a month, which is what it is through the end of the year subscription, we're just like, hey, we're getting rid of the negotiation fees. We're just gonna add the subscription fee to 40 which basically was the same amount that we were getting before. And it just makes it flat, right? Mm -hmm. We still have an incentive to keep those costs down and negotiate the heck out of these things because we want, you know, the, the community to thrive. And so we felt like the incentives were aligned, but the, just the transparency, there's enough times internally where we're like, what number should we use? And one person felt one thing and another person felt another thing. It was like, eventually this is going to create some tension with our community. And so like, let's just get rid of it. Um, mm -hmm. So we are all, we are trying to ultimately like be as transparent as possible with our community and just like be fair because we know that the health insurance companies are not doing that. I was going to yeah. say that you couldn't be more uh, night and day from the insurance companies and with that kind of an attitude, you're not going to yeah. make yeah. it far in this industry like that, Andy. I mean, the, <laughs> the, the opacity and the unknowns of healthcare are the most infuriating part. I mean, yes, it's insanely expensive, but like even if you have a great health insurance plan, it's still freaking confusing. What applies to your deductible? Yep. What doesn't? Every time you go in, you have co-pays, co-insurance. No clue. Like, and it's funny. I'm in a lot of ways type A, and my wife has seen me kind of lose it on like trying to figure out like when our kids are born, like how is this going to work? How much is this really going to cost us? And yeah. you, you just literally, it's at the point where maybe I'm an idiot, but I've just given up. I just, it's like. Trying to Just parse this together is virtually up, impossible, right. man. And so this is where I, I totally resonate with what you just said. And I, I encourage you folks to, to just keep on keeping on because the, the transparency is going to be just as appealing as the cost savings Absolutely. in this arena.
I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day, um, and I went to Stanford for business school. He was number one in our class at Stanford. So a wickedly smart dude, right? And he's like, there's one thing on this planet that makes me feel like an absolute idiot, and that is health insurance. Like, I have no idea. You know, like, I can go to healthcare.gov. I just went to healthcare.gov. You know, I had, I think I had a hundred different options, like all with a different copay and deductible and premium. I'm like, I have no freaking clue what, what is best for me and my family. Yeah, right. I think like the same people that design IRS forms, design insurance plans. And you know, that just makes a lot of sense. Try to fill out a and W4 way, and yeah. figure out what you're supposed to do. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Healthcare.gov took me like 25 minutes to sign up for. I'm like, and I, now I got to, if I were to do it, I'm not doing it. I just did it for the, for the hell of it just to see, like, I got to turn in my like weekly paycheck and I got to do all these kinds of things to prove to them how much I make. And I'm like, dude, this sucks. Like you literally, if you start crowd health from the beginning to the end, if you have, you know, a couple kids, it takes probably four minutes. Like it's quick, you know, it's because I don't, I don't care, you know, what your social security number was or, you know, all these other things. Like it just doesn't matter. They, the funny thing on healthcare.gov, this is the funniest thing. They asked what my end or my monthly income was for my four-year-old. They're <laughs> like, what is your, what is Ava's annual or monthly income? I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like who, who programmed this? <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Let's talk about the money you actually have stored with crowd health couple questions here first of all how are people incentivized or encouraged to fund other people walk us through kind of how that process works in the ecosystem also what if you leave crowd health what happens to the money explain where it goes when you put that 135 in essentially yeah so all the, the money that you put in is your money it's not our money we actually never touch it um, it never hits our accounts. Like we, we, it's, it's in, it's in your account at a third party. So we never even see that money. Don't touch it. The only thing that we get out is that tr- subscription fee that comes to us. And so, um, when you leave that money is yours. So it gets, it gets distributed back to you. Um, and that again is a totally different thing than, than health insurance. And so that's why I think the beauty of Bitcoin here, right. Is that we're at, can't even tell anymore, 15 or whatever it is today. Is it still 15. <laughs> it hasn't gone to. 12 15, yet? 8, 18, according to the F- block clock F- behind 15, me. 15, 8. Okay. So 15, 8, and it goes to 200. Like you get 100% of that upside. That's all yours. Right. So we, we look at it as if you have, you know, when you, if you, if you were to put in a hundred or, you know, whatever, a hundred dollars today at 15, 8, our internal system looks like at it and says, you have a hundred dollars at 15, 8, even if it's at 250,000. So we don't, try to take any of that money. It's all yours. You know, it's, it's all the, it's yeah. all the upside is yours. So you awesome. get that when you leave, um, which is, I think, a you know, you're, you're stacking sats while paying for healthcare. It's a, like, it's a beautiful thing if you're a Bitcoiner. Yeah. Um, especially considering then, the alternative, which is premiums into the black box that will never be seen again. You'll never and see good it luck again. getting anything out of it, you know? Yeah. yeah. You'll never see it again. Never see it again. And so what, what incentivizes? So, and so I, I, I mentioned kind of like, 45 people in the Dan example, you know, breaking his leg, going down the, the pole. Um, the 45 people that I ask also see Dan's previous giving history. And so if Dan has been asked 10 times to give and he said no 10 times, then the people that have been asked to give to Dan see that 
And they're like, dude, Dan, you haven't been a very good member of the community because you're you've said no. And so they say, they will more than likely say no to Dan. Um, and they don't get dinged for that. Like if you you don't get dinged for not giving to a bad member of the community. If Dan gives said yes 10 times and the people in the community see that and be like, oh, Dan's going to got a great member of the community. So I'll, I'll give to Dan. So it's it's kind of like a, you know, a, 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 a buy or seller score on eBay or you know, uh, five stars on Uber, right? Like the Uber driver shows up and he's got one star. It's like, guess what? I'm not getting in that car, right? Like not happening. Um, so we have a similar kind of score internally for you that shows, are you being generous? Or are you not being generous to the rest of the community? And, you know, the community component of this is like a really big piece of what what we do. Um, because I know now, I now know I'm giving to, I don't say your name, Dan, but I, I'm giving to, you know, a male in, I don't know where you, where do y'all live near Chicago, Chicago. So I'm giving to a male in Chicago, Illinois, who broke his, you know, his uh, leg, right? Like I know exactly where my money is going. Um, and, it, and you know, we have, we just got so many of these stories. We had a, a woman, um, 19 year old in, in Tennessee who got her hand caught in the prop of a boat, um, oh my gosh. cut off four of her fingers, severed four fingers. And this was a, it was a big expense, like as you can probably imagine. It doesn't. It's not inexpensive to try to reattach fingers. Um, and so we went and we we crowdfunded this, and we had people like come to us and be like, "Can I give more? Like, I want to give more to this woman because I feel for her, right?" And I was like, "Man, you would never get that in health insurance land, right? Like, you no. never go to your health insurance company and be like, can I pay you twelve hundred dollars this month as opposed to a thousand dollars this month because I'm." And I was like. Never going to happen. Um, we had a, a woman a few weeks ago who, um, you know, had a, a miscarriage. Like, same thing. Like, people were like, how do we help her? You know? And so, like, this community is really important because, you know, health insurance companies, we think we're getting screwed so that if we have a health event, we want to we suck as much value out of that as possible, right? Whereas this flips it. And it's like, no, I'm like actually a member yeah. of this, this community. And I want to take care of the of the community, and so I'm I'm not going to do anything to to screw them. And so, you know, a lot of this moral hazard kind of goes away as a being a member of of the community, especially in the Bitcoin community, where it's all a bunch of Bitcoiners who are sharing you know expenses back and forth. Like I don't want to screw my Bitcoiner buddy, right? One because he's a Bitcoiner, but two is like I don't want him to have to sell his Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, and so there's some behavioral things here that I think the community aspect of what we do really have a, a, a pretty significant impact on, which is, which is, is super cool. Like, I love the fact that I know exactly where my dollars are going, you know, um, for a pregnancy or whatever. Like, that's cool. Like, I think that's a cool thing um, as a part of what we do. Yeah, you're bringing, you're bringing a human face to the forefront, you know, with the, with the insurance company. It's a blank, nameless corporation. Nobody wants to, you know even if that did work that way, nobody's going to contribute to this black box of, you know, faceless corporation that just sucks the money out of you versus you're giving this, you know, you're describing a human being having a problem and people can, can relate to that, you know? So it's yeah. a, it's a much easier path to getting generosity out of people when they actually can relate. Man, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm making a big assumption here. So you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, but like if, if you guys are going to a fire Right. And it's in a big office building at, you know, 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. or whatever. And, you know, everybody, nobody's in there. Right. Like, 
there's got to be like just an attitude of this of like, I want to put out that fire. I want to put it out fast. But there's got to be a different component when you're going into a family where you know there are kids in there that are sleeping. Oh, for like, sure. There is, there is a, there's got to be a different feel to that. There's like, you know, there's an emotional component of this that is like, I'm, I, w- I want to do something to save these people. Right. And so it's like with what we're doing and, uh, you know, uh, the analogy is not the same because you guys have way more bigger like things to deal with than we do. But like, if I'm, if I'm dealing with a health insurance plan, which is this big corporation, massive corporation versus like, these are people down the street from me, right. That I'm helping. Like, there's just something different about that. Like for sure. It really truly brings like the humanity back to healthcare. And yeah. that's what we're, we're trying to do, right. There's just a human nature of when you guys go into a house full of, uh, you know, kids versus, you know, a big office building with nobody in there. Right. Like there's just a humanity that's present there that emotionally tugs at us. I feel like the phrase in the fire service, Andy is risk a lot to save a lot. So if we roll up on something that there's nobody in there, no matter how into some painting you are, we may be callous, honestly, in the way that we're like, nope, not risking, not risking a bunch of firemen underneath that attic. But if you have a couple toddlers in the second floor bedroom, we may go vent on or search that bedroom and put ourselves in serious risk. You know what I mean? So it's, it is interesting. Like this is back to the incentives you're, you're pulling on the giving spirit of humanity in a personal way that just isn't possible through traditional healthcare. Like that's what makes this whole system go round. And I'm guessing like filling in the gaps here, I'm guessing this, this is why the community sets that you go after matter. Like the Bitcoin community set, this is a group of, in a lot of ways, even though they're maybe more libertarian and conservatively bent, like-minded, like-minded individuals that have a sense of solidarity. I heard you mention when you were on with Marty Bent, you guys were tossing around. I don't know if you ever carried <laughs> it out, but like trainers, you know, like I'm yeah. guessing this is part of the 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 model of success is bringing people together that feel that connection and have that that sense of community yeah, to want they're much to more support. likely to help each other for sure. I, I think I, I'm, I'm a libertarian leaning, if you couldn't tell kind of person. And one of the things that I, I, I hate about what's happened over the last, you know, 50 years, 43 of them, I, I've been alive, but it's like in the 1970s, one, you know, our, our monetary system went to hell. Um, and then two, our healthcare system went to hell because, you know, the government is, you know, legislatively stuck themselves in between, um, you know, me and our, us and our neighbors, right? Just like, Hey, you don't need to worry about your neighbor. Like we'll, we'll get in between that and health insurance plans and the government will take care of, of your neighbor. We'll take care of the people in the community that can't. And I was like, man, like, I, I feel like Bitcoiners, libertarians are some of the most generous people that I've ever met, but they, they don't want to be told who to give their money to. They want to do it out of true, like sense of generosity, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I want to just give to my neighbor and help them because it's the right thing to do, not because the government, you know, steals my money to do it in a super inefficient way, right? Like that, Absolutely, that's yeah. not what this is about. And so, you know, the mainstream media wants to paint these libertarians as callous, cold human beings. It's like, no, it's the exact opposite of that. Like they're the most generous human beings that I've met. They just don't want to be told who to give their money to. Um, and so that's why I would, I, I, there's a sense of generosity here that I want to bring back to healthcare. And it's, you know, kind of a, an underlying mission of mine to like get people to be generous. 
One thing I wanted to cover with you is the people's fear of switching out of the legacy healthcare system. We yeah. have, I think, a very poignant example at the department we work at. So we retire, the retirement age is typically, well, for our for our generation, it's 55. The older generation uh, can leave at 50. But when people leave, there's this gap between getting off of a, a fairly robust, good insurance plan and making it mm -hmm. to Medicare. And I've had this conversation with a couple people. I'm sure Josh has too. Our plan that our employer provides is outrageously expensive. I mean, like a family plan, if you add up what we pay out of pocket, what the village pays, it's like 30000 plus a year, right? Mm -hmm. And you have these, these retirees with this huge fear of separating from this plan. So they will literally spend $30,000 a year to retain the family plan that they had as, as a full-time firefighter. And I'm sitting wow. there, pre-crowd health, right? I'm sitting there, I've been at the kitchen table going, get a, an extremely high deductible insurance plan that's one-fifth the cost of what of what you can buy through us. So let's just let's just say there's some there's a fifteen thousand dollar deductible and the plan is ten thousand dollars a year, mm -hmm. right? In the absolute worst case scenario, you're still spending you're less still than you're off. paying to stick with it, right? I've had the when same I've, conversation, man. It doesn't stick, and it ever. just doesn't stick because it doesn't stick, even though it makes all the sense in the world. Because there is this fear of separating yeah. from the teat. That, that, <laughs> that your employer has provided, <laughs> yeah. right? So, so speak to when I, like the more I've learned about crowd health, honestly, for us, the biggest application, we have a lot of, of dudes that retire healthy at age 50 or 55, right? Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, most career firemen, although they may not think so, they retire compared to the rest of the populace, very healthy, low BMI. They've worked out mm -hmm. their entire life. They're cognizant of their body. They've been stretching, focusing on their back and knees for years. Not that they're not banged up to some extent, but generally they leave pretty healthy. And this would be a perfect fit for a lot of these folks to to save 70% plus of what a lot of them are. We need are a firefighter crowd. It sounds it sounds like yeah. Yeah. a firefighter crowd. You could do you could lump in firefighters and cops at the same time, probably. I think they you could yeah. get away with that, make it a bigger crowd. What's the fear though? Like, like that guy that's matches and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the guy that's just MMA like a crowd. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. never get away with that one. It's gonna be like wait, wait, wait. 7, who broke their neck now? Yeah, yeah another exactly. broken leg. Come on, man. We're trying to reduce healthcare costs, not increase. <laughs> <healthcare costs. laughs> but for that, for that guy that's retiring, he's healthy. He's fifty three yeah. years old, and he's just he's gonna spend thirty two thousand dollars a year because he's just scared to separate from the health insurance he's had. Why? What is the deal? Why are people so afraid to separate? In your experience. It's the devil they know versus the devil they don't, right? I mean, we've been psyoped into thinking that health insurance, these really expensive health insurance plans are the only way to go. And so, you know, and fear is a powerful emotion. You know, it's it's interesting that that those guys are can run into buildings that <laughs> is, you know, hundreds of degrees or whatever, but they're afraid of a little health insurance plan. Like, it's like, what? Like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, help me understand this. You know, it's like, look, yeah, I mean, we've, 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 we've grown up, we've been programmed to, to think that we have to have like super high end health insurance. You know, people's like, I get great health insurance from my employer, you know, and my employer pays for it. I was like, guess what, dude, 
you're paying for that. You, like, you could be getting paid more, dude. You could be paying, get paid way more in salary. But guess what? Your employer is using that for, you know, your your Cadillac, you know, health insurance plan, right? Like people just don't get that. <laughs> you know, it's the, it's the same line item basically yeah. in their in their P&L. And so they just don't, they don't get that. So is, they're paying for it. Is medical, is, is traveling outside the U.S. an option for crowd health? Is that something you guys have entertained doing? Because I, I mean, I'm no expert in what goes on in, I don't know, Indonesia, yeah. Singapore, whatever, but I've heard people go on medical vacations for certain procedures because it's massively yeah. cheaper there. How how much are you guys entertaining that angle and have you done it? Yeah, so I think maybe two questions there. I, I laugh because we have people who are traveling a lot and get crowd health. And as long as you have a U.S. address, we don't care where you are. So we had this guy the other day who uh, who said, hey, um, I have an ambulance, uh, bill that I, I need some help with. And I'm like, Hey, yeah, no, no problem. He's like, but I was out of the country. Is that okay? Like, yeah, no problem. He's like, and it really wasn't an ambulance. It was like a speedboat because I was in the, on an Island that didn't have any in the middle of Croatia, like an Island that a speedboat. <laughs> Wait, was this Gigi? Me. Are you talking huh? about Gigi? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, Oh my God, we're paying for a speedboat ambulance, you know, that was like ended up being like 125 bucks or something. Like it was like stupid, like inexpensive. And he's like, Will you guys help me fund this? I was like, Yes, of course we will help you fund this. So, you know, the funny thing about this, right, is if you travel, um, as you said, like healthcare expenses anywhere else are way less expensive than the United States. And so we're like, Go travel, have, have a blast. You know, in terms of, of the medical tourism stuff, I mean, we we are looking into it. I don't, we, we just haven't gotten anybody to get super excited about it yet. Um, you know, yeah. going to India to get like heart surgery is not like something I'm super jazzed about. But, right. But uh, that, again, like when you think about that, this is almost the same um, ideology as we're talking about with the older gentlemen retiring. But they don't want to part with their Cadillac health plan because they think it's better, even though maybe this makes yeah. more sense. But I mean... Indian people are pretty damn good at being doctors and pretty damn good at being programmers. They're awesome. So they're I mean, the best. If I'm look, if yeah, I'm staring the down the barrel of bankrupting my family or going to India for my heart, guess what? Looks like I'm packing my bags. Well, yeah. dude. So here's 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 my my closest ex- analogy to this is we had a member in um in Wisconsin. Wisconsin is one of the worst places to have health, get health care. It's so expensive. So he had uh, he had to get this heart procedure, and the local hospital says it's gonna be eighty six thousand dollars. And and he's and he's like, I'm sorry, guys. You know, I'm um, we crowdfunded for me. I was like, wait, can we look for some alternatives? So we looked for some alternatives. This was Oshkosh, Wisconsin. So, you know, about ninety miles from from Chicago. Um, so we looked in Chicago, and Chicago, we found some somebody who would do it for forty four thousand dollars. So we cut the price in half by just going ninety miles. And then we found this guy in Oklahoma City who had actually done more of these procedures than almost anybody else in the country who was willing to do it for $22,000 cash. So obviously, we, right. It's $22,000 of table, cash. Obviously. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you guys are going to get me in trouble. <laughs> um, so the funny thing is, is we set, we, we set up this couple, right? Two first class tickets from Milwaukee to Oklahoma city. We gave them 2,500 bucks. We put them up at the, the nicest hotel in Oklahoma. We sent someone up there in a, you know, to rent a Mercedes to take them around for three days. And we still saved $50,000 as a result of that. So it's like a thousand miles and like first class treatment 
and you still save, you know, you save $50,000. Like, you know, Oklahoma City is not India, but it's it just shows you like the how inefficient, you know, our 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 healthcare market is that you can go a thousand miles That's insane. And, and get something for for 50 grand less. But it is it is cool to hear you can play that jurisdictional arbitrage game if it's not an urgent procedure. That's awesome. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And they were willing to do it. I mean, we had to pay them 2,500 bucks to do it because he had to take off a couple of days of work. But it was like, we'll do that to save 50 grand any day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it makes total sense. We actually crowdfunded that 2,500 bucks, by the way. We didn't pay it. We crowdfunded it as a part of the health event because the community, right, is saving 50. So we just are able to kind of package this thing together as one health event for these folks. Yeah. Is it a pretty quick procedure for you guys to wrap this all up, package it and present it to people? And how long do people have to say vote on if they're going to contribute or not? Three days. Three days. Yeah. It takes about three days. It's pretty pretty quick. Yeah. Assuming, I mean, in an emergency situation, they would obviously just get it done. They would come back and then you, it would be open for three days. Okay. No. So yeah. So like, um, if you have like an emergency, you go to the emergency room and that's where actually a lot of the big bills come. Right. And, and so you have an emergency heart surgery or whatever, like you don't get those bills for 60 or 90 days later. And so you, the bills come in the mail, you upload them, them to crowd health. We call the hospital, make sure that we have all the, the bills. We then negotiate it with the hospital on the member's behalf. We get that price way down. We then go to, you know, crowdfund it from our community that money goes into the account of our member and it just gets paid directly from that account. So it's super easy. And most of this stuff happens on the back end where the member doesn't have to do hardly anything except get a bill in the mail, upload it. And you know, damn, I didn't know how simple that part was. That's awesome. Yeah. It's Hmm. super easy. They have to approve like money going out of their account to the hospital, but they're like, of course they're going to approve that. Right. Like that's, that's the only additional kind of approval that they have to do, but we do all the back end work for them to help them with all that negotiation. I mean, wouldn't it be nice you could get these big bills in the mail. You don't really have to look at them. Just take a picture of them, upload them into the the app. We have them and we do all this stuff on the back end. Damn. Cool. I got two last questions that I think someone sure. might be thinking. One is, um, do you have instances where you can't fund these? What are the circumstances surrounding that? That's the first question I have. So like, what's the likelihood that someone's going to get these events funded? And then the second one is, what percentage of the money put in do people are people typically using, right? I mean, so we talked yeah. about the potential to use this as an investment, and I realize people are putting money in this for healthcare. It's it, if the asset you choose to hold it in goes up parabolic, you're probably going to be able to harvest a lot of that. But I was just curious sure. if you know any of the math on are people able to retain some of what the money they put in statistically. So every dollar you put in so far, uh, 65 cents is still there. Okay. So um, we've only used about 35, 35% of it. So um, last month, man, we, we crushed it last month. Um, it was like $27 per member that we asked for crowdfunding last month. Wow. Because we did so well. Um, and so, yeah. And we, I mean, I was looking at it the other day and we have a, we have a member that's got like, six grand or something like that sitting in their bank in their account and they said yes to every crowdfund and they still have six grand in there Damn. i mean it's wow and, you know and if they left today they'd get six grand back right and so it's 170 we say it's 175 bucks but we don't use all that every month it's still sitting in your account right and so it's not gone it's just 
in an account and we give you your account balance every time we ask you for money. So that's one. And then the second, the first one, and this is like how screwed up our system is. And because I have to, I have to say it in a really stupid way, but it's like, we've had about 1200 bills. First off, here's what I have to say. Regulatorily, because of our government, I have to say, we cannot promise you that your bill is going to get paid, right? Well, we can't promise, you know, the health insurance plans can promise, but one out of every five times, they don't actually get paid. That's how screwed up this is. I can't promise you, this is not health insurance, y'all. I can't promise you that this bill is going to get paid, but we've done 1,200 of them and 1,200 of them have gotten paid. So, but I can't promise you. <laughs> All right. Noted. All right. Noted. No Read promises my lips. Taken. No new taxes. So regulators, there you go. I can't promise. All right, Andy, will you uh, give us a handoff to yourself, Crowd Health, and... Uh... Anything else you think is uh, applicable? Um, yeah, I mean, come, come, look. We're we're on a mission here. This is not about um, you know dollars for us or zeros. You know, this is really like I truly want to like change the way that we 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 do healthcare. Um, you know, I, I I sold my first company. I could be sitting on the lake. I love fishing. Like that's my passion in life. Um, I could be sitting on the lake every day, and I I don't like I'm in this because I I truly like want my kids and our, my grandkids to have access to really awesome healthcare. And, um, our, our system is going into hell in a handbasket quickly. You know, Medicare is running out of money in like six or seven years, like something has to be done, you know, and if you want to join us on that, then, you know, we'd love for you to, to, to do that. Um, join crowdhealth.com. Um, we, we have a code for you guys too, don't we? Of some kind, I forget yeah. exactly what it is. Blue. Um, blue um so you you're if you do blue you're a part of the bitcoin crowd and it's 99 bucks for six months and so it's super inexpensive to do this so we'd love for you all to, to to join us um we're super transparent and um you know we're, we're in this to really change the way that we're doing healthcare. so we'd love for you all to join us this was a ton of fun Seriously, enjoyed it, and I think my guess. I'm only is, halfway through my Jack and Coke. Oh, I felt bad because of all the the, the the ice, but you know, cheers, guys. Yeah, <laughs> I think don't we're worry. gonna have some people I don't listening. Think any spooks that, will listen to this anyway, so don't worry. Yeah, yeah. I, I I definitely <laughs> think there's gonna be some people that listen to this that this is a fit for because the, there's a huge huge gap here, and a lot of people don't have cush situations or or simple answers for healthcare and. Uh, Hopefully this can help some folks. Thank, thanks yeah. for coming on. Yeah. By the way, if in, in, right now is when people are making decisions about healthcare for next year. Like if you're a part of an employer plan, do you really want your employer to be responsible for your healthcare? Like go to your employer and be like, look, if I opt out of my healthcare, will you pay me um, to opt out? Because I will do that. And then come and you know, join us. We have about 10% of, no, more than that, more like 20% of our customers are, are have gone to their employer and be like, I'm opting out of my employer plan. Let's and, do it, Dan. You know, a, a lot of them are getting money as a result of that. Their employer is saving money. They're getting a better plan. They're investing in Bitcoin as a result of that. Like that, that is, that is happening. And ultimately that's what I want is like your employer and your health insurance to be two separate things. Cause I don't think your employer should be in your, in your, your healthcare game just my perspective. I know that's hard yeah. for y'all to say cuz you have a cushy, you know, $30,000 a year, you know, insurance cushy program. Sloppy. Like, yeah. Most of us, you know, most of us have crappy plans that our employer is giving us and and um so anyway, consider it and we'd love for y'all to join us. And as a closer, 
obviously maybe we're the we're the three idiots here, but it seems like a pretty good time to buy Bitcoin. And if you're stacking some sats in a crowd health account, it could be frightening how much money might be in there in a few years. Healthcare you, could be taken care of into perpetuity, folks. I was just gonna say that you might be done paying for healthcare once you uh set this hog to run off <laughs> run off the yeah. reservation for you. I, I say that and people laugh at me. I'm like, seriously, dude, like I can put enough money in now if it's fifteen it really goes to two fifty. Like I may never have to pay for healthcare again. Yeah. Like yeah. that's that's the impact of this. It's uh, possible. Which is a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Andy, have uh, fun with your family, finish that jack, and uh we'll We'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. It was fun. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening into the show. If you enjoyed this discussion, be sure to like or subscribe on whatever app you're using for podcasts or on YouTube. And if you have an extra minute, go ahead and leave us a review. We are also active on Twitter at blue underscore collar BTC. And our email address is blue collar Bitcoin podcast at gmail.com. We invite questions, comments, or inquiries of any kind. We look forward to you joining us again on the BCB Podcast.